Welcome to the Jam Session Radio Hour. I am your host, John Landis. Tonight we are featuring an interview of Bill O'Connell that I did recently. Bill is a wonderful piano player. He's played with the Jam Sessions so many times. We've, we calculated 30 to 40 times over the 10 or so years that the uh, Jam Session Radio Hour has been playing out here in the Hamptons. Um, and Bill is a great, great guy. Um, he's a real figurehead of, of jazz and a, and a kind of a spokesperson, I think, for uh, a lot of the good things of jazz. He, his career took him into, into Latin jazz and Afro-Cuban jazz in particular, which is really interesting. Um, but he fell in love with it right away um, soon after he started playing and uh, jumped into it. He's played with some great people over the years. Um, he's played with uh, Mongo Santa Maria. He played with the flautist uh, Dave Valentin. He's played with Sonny Rollins, Gato Barbieri, um, various different um, uh, vocalists that he's played with at length. Kenny Rankin for years, Janet Lawson, who we lost recently, John Lucien, um, and his career continues. He's, he's, he's a lucky guy in a lot of ways in the sense that he's, he's been able to, um, uh, to seize opportunities and, and keep going in this uh, uh, tradition of Latin jazz that he's explored and straight ahead jazz, both. Uh, he teaches at Rutgers. He's um, the head of their um, Afro-Caribbean ensemble, put that together. He has an, he's done 16, 16 uh, solo recordings and he's got a new one coming out, uh, and these are recordings that he's he's led the band. He has a new one coming out with uh, a drummer that he's wanted to play with for a long time, a guy named Steve Jordan, who played with Steely Dan, and um, he's played with Keith Richards, and lots of people. So you're really going to enjoy this interview because Bill's a very thoughtful guy and very interesting and an upbeat guy. So let's uh, listen to the Jam Session Radio Hour interview of Bill O'Connell. Okay, we are the Jam Session Radio Hour, and we're lucky enough to be talking to Bill O'Connell, who's played a lot with the Jam Session, this being the Jam Session Radio Hour. And Bill, um, I'm going to ask him some questions and let him kind of riff on, on what he's done. But Bill, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, great to be here, John. It's, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I guess I'm a, as a Montauk person and a New York City person, uh, it's great to see the jazz scene and be a part of the jazz scene in both places. Yeah, totally. And and uh, with the jam session, you know, at Bayburger for years, and then at uh, Union Cantina and other places, I mean, you've probably played, I'm going to say, what, 20, 30 times? I mean, a lot, because we've been around for 10 years. Yeah, so. I kind of caught it, I think, I guess about halfway through, uh, you know, and I was talking to Randy Brecker, and I had really Montauk, We've, we've had a place in Montauk for over 20 years, but I never really thought about connecting with the musicians out there. But I knew Randy, and Randy said, hey, man, you should go down to the Bay Burger, you know, and just hang out and play or, you know, see what, because there are cats around here. So uh, I went down one night, and uh, I met Clay Sprondahl and sat in and played, and then I somewhat became somewhat of a fixture on the scene so yes about halfway through probably 30 40 times yeah yeah exactly which is you know such a great benefit for us and you know the listeners and and i mean it was such a great thing at bayburger it was a thursday nights and we yeah. would do it every week and Clayus did a fantastic job of putting it together um who are some of the people there i mean obviously you've played with randy and others and people that you play with in the city and all over the world but 
Who are some of the people you remember playing with? Um, well, at, the Baber, uh, Baber. well, uh, uh, you know, uh, boy, there's so many. I, you know, but but uh, Alex Sipiaga yeah. in particular. Uh, anytime Alex would do there, I'd always want to be on board. Uh, he's such a great player. And...
So Sibiaga now is in Italy, maybe? Uh, maybe. They were, they were in Singapore, maybe. I think. Yeah, maybe I talked to his wife. Singapore. I'm yeah. not sure, yeah. I, 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 heard, I heard Singapore last, but I knew he was thinking about moving to Italy. You know, uh, the COVID times have created all Move kinds of uh, different plans in life for everybody right. as, a, as a musician. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, maybe they would have done this anyway, but I know... Uh, everybody's had to sort of rethink everything the last year or two. Have you, um, uh, like just thinking about Bayburger for a second and what we built there is the jam session, thanks to you guys. Uh, is that, that's kind of a unique situation, certainly for the Hamptons. But have you encountered other like regular sessions, jam sessions like that that would be like open to the public? Or uh, um, I just like to put it in context. Not really, not really. Very unique thing, you know, it, especially the Bay Burger, because the, the, the vibe was, I mean, it's a little little joint there, but the vibe was there. Yeah. So <laughs> it was really, really, really a special, a special scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we tried to, I know, get it going at the Union Cantina. It was nice for about a year. And then another place in East Hampton, a restaurant, I think. But uh, the Bay, Bay Burger was really it. Uh, and it was, I got to give Clay Sprondahl a lot of, uh, props for this because he really kind of pulled together the jazz community out there and the Bay Burger and the jam session was sort of a meeting place for everybody to kind of hang out a little bit. So right. Really, really very nice. Yeah. He's very determined and very good at what he, what he does. And he's certainly deter determined to, to get us back into a joint, you know, right. that's now Ed's lobster bar. And we did a little bit at Ed's lobster bar before everything closed down and that's a possibility. Uh, so we'll see what happens, yeah. but we'll, we'll play hope, somewhere for sure. Hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so from Montauk, any other musicians from Montauk, not necessarily at, uh, jam, at the jam session, but other people that you know out there who are jazz people that you've uh, encountered? You know, there's a, there's a guy that I haven't connected with yet, but I tried to. Uh, you know, Anton Fig is out there. Okay. Uh, from He used to play on the Letterman show, amongst uh -huh. other things. And we had played together years ago, but haven't been able to connect with him out there. So, uh, no, but I played the Montauk Library a few times. I brought oh, yeah. Santi DiBriano out yeah, there, yeah. And Andrea Brackfeld. Uh, so, you know, trying to spread the jazz gospel out there or anywhere, right. anywhere I can. Do you know uh, Bob Stern by any chance? Do you know so who that is? is? He he's a he fiddle. Play? He's a jazz violinist. I have. I think I have met him. Tall. He's, I, he's, he's like as tall as you. How tall are you? You're six. Right. I'm six five. So yeah, he's, he's like six four. He's a real I tall think guy. He, I think he came down when I was playing there once with his wife and uh, yeah, Daphne. He right. was a he was a oral surgeon dentist in Englewood. Wow. But you know, but also his his you know he was a bass player in the rock and roll days and and but he's always right. been a classical violin violin player and now and he's got his own studio. Yeah, uh, there yeah. on uh, near um, uh, right near the beach. Yeah, um, well, we haven't. Uh, yeah, I did meet him, but you we haven't really. Yeah, so tell us. Uh, let's go back to some of the people like Mongo, Santa Maria, and Dave Valentine. Is it Valentine Valentine? Valentine. Valentine. Yeah. That 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 come up in your bio and your website. I just want to say everybody out there, go to Bill's website. It's beautiful. It's really well done. I look a lot of the at a lot of these, and it's very well done. There's a lot there on Bill. Well, I mean, I, I came to New York in the early 70s and uh, just to, I mean, I grew up on Long Island. I grew up in Port Washington, Long Island. Uh -huh. And uh, my mother used to always take us out to Montauk as kids. So that's the genesis of my whole connection. Right. We were 
lucky enough to get a place out there before things got too expensive in the 90s, although it seemed expensive at the time. Sure. But um, when I moved into New York in the, on my own in, the, in uh, the 70s, I was trying to get into the modern jazz scene there. And while I was doing that, I also got into the Latin jazz scene heavy. So that's where, you know, I played with Mongo Santa Maria. But at the time I was playing with Mongo Santa Maria, I also was uh, playing with Sonny Rollins. And I got to play with Chet Baker for like six months also. So that those were great experiences. And they grew out of just my love for straight ahead jazz. But I... But New York, being a New Yorker, I got into the Latin jazz thing there because the salsa scene was vibrant and uh, there were great musicians there also. So it really touched my heart, you know, it really got me going. So those two strains have been kind of the themes of my career. So you say you mentioned Mongo, uh, Dave Valentine. Sonny and Chet on the straight ahead side, Gatto Barbieri, Astrid Gilberto, uh, Ray Barreto, and lots of jazz people. I mean, vocalist Kenny Rankin, uh, John Lucien, Janet Lawson, who just passed away, great vocalist. Uh, so it's been a, a healthy New York jazz life. And now I've been teaching at Rutgers University uh, the last uh, 11, 12 years, teaching their jazz pianists and running the uh, Afro-Caribbean ensemble there. So cool. Yeah. Uh, so, and now your, your band, your current band is, uh, of, among other things, the Latin Jazz All-Stars. Well, I've had that, the Latin Jazz All-Stars. And I did a larger ensemble record called Wind Off the Hudson uh, with, a, with five horns and a rhythm section. So that was a nice project. And then I'm going into the studio in May for uh, my next record, my next recording rather. And uh, that's, I'm excited about that. Maybe it'll still have some of the Latin jazz elements in there, but um, uh, Lincoln Goings will be playing bass. Craig Handy will be on saxophone on some of it. And uh, on drums, I'm using a guy named Steve Jordan. And Steve is more, probably more known in the pop circle. Like, I mean, he's played with people like Keith Richard and, you know, the, of the Rolling Stones and stuff uh -huh. like that. And he was playing with Steely Dan for a while or the Saturday Night Live band. But uh, Steve and I met when I played with Sonny Rollins back in the late 70s. And I've, he also is on the, he may be the president of the board of the uh, Jazz Foundation of America. And we've done a couple of concerts together there and uh, we've just wanted to record. And it's, so it's taken 30 more years, but here we're gonna do it. So we're gonna, we're gonna do, he's gonna be on my next record. So I'm pretty excited about that. And kudos to the Jazz, uh, Jazz Foundation of America. That's what you call it, right? Because they have, right. they have this organization, a splinter group or whatever called Keyed Up, I don't know if you know about that, but they they funded us at Bayberger for years, and they oh, would put great. in no, not the complete thing, but they'd put in a little money, and that keyed up is part of the Jazz Foundation, and they exist to support live jazz. Yeah, they do they do great work, uh, you know, and I I've had some friends who they've helped out, and uh, 
I've played on some of their fundraisers, one at the Apollo Theater, which was a tribute to Sonny Rollins. It was a, it was a great night. The who's who and jazz were there. And uh, more recently, I did one, uh, uh, an online uh, event a couple of months ago, uh, again, with a lot of well-known jazz people just to raise money. You know, they just raise money. They try to tap into it and they try to, try to help jazz musicians in need yeah and it's needed totally uh so tell us more about the um what got you into that whole vein of of latin jazz because that's really you know obviously a big part of your career yeah well uh i'm an o'connell in name but maybe a latino in heart you know (laughs) Uh, uh, it was you know i'm a new york person uh and being in new york in the 70s the latin scene and the latin jazz scene really vibrant you know vibrant you know a lot of clubs i'd go i'd i'd see these clubs and people dancing and you know it was it was just great music and great vibes anyway i didn't know this music i didn't grow up with it so a trumpet player friend of mine a guy named steve gutman uh who ended up I think being musical director by uh, for Blood, Sweat, and Tears, among, amongst other things, he uh, said he was playing with a Latin band and they needed a pianist. So he said, Bill, why don't you come down? I went down to like some funky area of, the, of Brooklyn. Now Brooklyn is all beautiful, but this was like sort of taking my life into my hands. But I went down into a, a basement somewhere and rehearsed with this band happened to have a great bass player, a guy named John Henry Robinson, who could just get me started on the very rudiments of, of playing in a band. And from then, the guys in the band loved the way I soloed over this stuff because I'm a jazz soloist, but I didn't really know how to do the accompaniment. And, and I, you know, it was new to me. It was all new to me. I totally learned on the fly. Hmm. And uh, so I played in this band. People think Mongo was my first Latin jazz experience it wasn't i had been Uh playing with latin bands in new york uh, for like maybe two years before i got the gig with mongo and that was it i was hooked i was hooked and i was you know i'm sort of surprised that more i mean a lot of american quote american uh non-latino horn players seem to be into the latin jazz thing not as many rhythm section players Mm -hmm. uh but I was hooked and, you know, it became a big part of my professional life and a big part of my expressive life uh, in music. Yeah. And um, is, is there, is when you, when you think back to what attracted to you in those early experiences, uh, is there, um, is there something about your playing or what the way you like to play that just fit, even though you like, as you say, you know, you were soloing at the beginning and then you had to learn the accompaniment. Well, I think, you know, I've always been attracted to a strong, a strong rhythmic element. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to college being a, a, trying to write classical, modern classical music. But I, but I found that, and then I, then I turned to jazz because jazz to me had the sophistication of all that but it had the earth and it had the rhythm and it had the, the feeling that I needed mm-hmm. uh, to really express myself. Well, 
to me, the Latin rhythms and all the, you know, whether it's Brazilian or Afro-Cuban, they have that feeling and soulfulness and it, it just spoke to me, spoke to me as, as strongly as, as playing modern jazz. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, you know, uh, the rhythmic aspect of it really just. just And and you're a composer and in your compositions, um, would you say that there's, you know, there's a mix obviously of flavor, but there's a lot of that in it. Yeah, I, I think I think I heard a place for me to write in this music. I, mm-hmm. I felt like I had something to offer, mm. you know, to combine my elements of modern classical and modern jazz and bring that to the Latin jazz scene. So I absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mongo was the first guy who who recognized that, and he gave me a shot to write for the band. That was he he recorded the first piece i you know one of he had the first uh piece that i had on record it's, mm-hmm. it's with mongo a, a song called little t for my little sister
Thanks for staying with us at WLIW-FM 88.3 in Southampton, New York. Also heard on WLIW.org slash radio, uh, Long Island's only NPR radio station. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour. You're listening to an interview of Bill O'Connell. And, and your the solo um, stuff that you've done, you've done albums that are your albums, that, right? Uh, quite a right. few. Yeah, I have uh, at least 15 yeah. solo Solo albums. And uh, well, like one will be straight ahead and one will be Latin or you'll do a mix on, on oh, various Oh man, they're albums. all different, they're all, all different. different kind of projects. Uh-huh. Yeah, some are, some are mixed kind of, I mean, the Latin thing usually is somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Some might be a little more straight ahead. I had a trio with uh, Dave Valentine and Richie Flores, which was piano, bass, and flute called Triple Play. We did a few records uh, like that. Very interesting band, no bass player in it. Uh, and then, of course, I've done some trio records, and and I did a solo record called Monk's Cha-Cha, but that came out a few years ago. Um and then I had the Latin Jazz All-Stars featuring Conrad Herwig and Steve Slagle. Uh, so I wrote for that band for a little while. And then I also did a, a, a semi-orchestral record with a string section and a few horns that really was a lifetime dream. And that, that record's called Latin Jazz Fantasy featuring Valentine and uh, great saxophonist Bobby Malik. Uh, so that was a lot of time and energy, really a labor of love, but I'm really happy I, I did that record. So I'm always thinking of different projects. You yeah. know, different, I'm always a couple of projects behind where my head is. Like if somebody said, hey, you want to do four CDs, I'm probably ready to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and, and actually this just, it strikes a chord because uh baba israel is somebody that i interviewed just a couple weeks ago and his and and so we put his show on the jam session radio hour and uh you've played with baba and with ada and was it sante and uh, sante's on it and uh Cleus, of course yeah right yeah and and then you um and then and then you had discussions with Clayus and and uh, and um, Michael Golub and uh, and others about right. going forward with some of that, which uh, right. as, as with his name that you guys stuck on at Hiplo Jazz. Well, when you talk about projects, so that's a more recent potential project that you got right. excited about. Oh yeah, I I think that I think that project has a lot of potential. I mean, it's it's really interesting to me, and and you know, being in my sixties at this point. You know, you like to get excited about music still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you like to get excited about new projects. And the way uh, we combined, whether it was funk or jazz or whatever, with Baba's hip-hop sensibility, uh, really unique and really yeah. in- really interesting. And um, I can't say I'm really a hip-hop kind of guy, but the way Baba combined with us was really exciting. The energy was exciting. The whole, the whole thing, and and extremely unique. I think it's a unique project. So I hope, I hope we find a way to uh, expose that to the greater public. He's working on something now because uh, this came out in the interview. But he's doing. He's very immersed in this um, uh, off Broadway piece that's in development about the history of cannabis. 
And so he's writing, he's writing the music. He's got somebody else writing the lyrics, got all these people working on it. They got some funding. So he's, he's a busy guy. He's, he's fascinating. Oh, he strikes I mean, me as you know. like you in the sense that you're, you're both educators. Right. Too. Oh, is he, is he teaching somewhere? Yeah. He, he's always been an activist and a teacher. I mean, he grew up in, basically his parents were in the living theater, if you know what the living right, theater was. Right. I mean, I, his I, parents were out there. And right. uh, so he's always had his foot in activism, but yeah. And then he got in these various different veins in his career that put him into a position where he could direct, where he could teach, you know, and use his voice and beatbox and rapping and all of that. So that's his thing. Yeah, he's a very, very unique guy. Very positive. Yeah. Uh, in, in the in the message he's putting across. So uh, yeah, I really hope we get a chance to uh, seriously do some work together in the well, future. That's that's really cool. That's very exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah so um, Rutgers has that been a a major part of what you've you've done, or that's kind of well, a sideline? Yeah, it's it came along at a nice time in my life. Uh, it came along uh, about 10, as I said, 10, 11, 12 years ago. Uh -huh. And uh, I wasn't traveling as much. Uh, and I had more time to teach, actually. And I found with the jazz scene, it's, it's, I've always been teaching. It's always been a part of my life, but I taught more privately. It seems as though most colleges now are offering jazz programs. So it was kind of the right thing for me to be involved in a jazz program. So uh, I had taught at Rutgers in the 90s after Kenny Barron uh, left Rutgers for, for one semester. And then, then a great pianist who recently died, uh, Stanley Cowell, mm -hmm. came in to teach at Rutgers. And then after Stanley left, uh, you know, they offered... Uh, the job to me to come in and uh, teach. So it, it, it's a nice, it's a nice situation with a great faculty. I mean, Conrad Herwig runs the program, uh, but Kenny Davis on bass, Ralph Bowen on uh, saxophone. Uh, so some really, really great people there. So w these people who play different instruments, do you actually put a, um, a group together that uh, every now and then? Yeah. When, when we were doing this with, there would be a faculty concert every mm -hmm. year. Okay. In fact, I, I am going to be the guest with the uh, Rutgers big band this semester. At, at this point, it's a recording ensemble because we're not doing live performances. Yeah. Uh, but I wrote an arrangement. It's dedicated to Stanley Cowell. Uh, so I wrote an arrangement of one of his songs and there's another member of the faculty is writing another arrangement for the big band. And uh, that'll be, uh, that'll be an exciting thing. Do you know do. the, uh, the guys, uh, you may remember what the S Southampton art center, when we had Tom Scott and um, right. combo is it combo Nuvo uh, from NYU with Dave Schroeder. Right. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. yeah. So well, Dave is I, like, that's the Steinhardt school, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, every, like, like I said, jazz has moved to the university in some ways. When I came to New York, these programs were not all over the place. I uh -huh. came and I just got immersed in the New York scene and we played all day. We kind of just did our own thing. Uh, but now NYU, the Manhattan School of Music, all these places. And, and I would say Rutgers is a little bit of a secret, uh, but certainly has 
just as kind of great a program as NYU, Juilliard, or or Manhattan, or any of these places. But uh, you know that these kids come in; they're some really talented kids, and I I enjoy teaching them. So, is there is there something about the Rutgers program in particular, like uh, that, would attract a certain uh, a, a musician of a certain level of uh, kind of interest? Well, uh, I think there there no. There's a very uh, if you're a New Jersey kid, New Jersey you save kid. a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's big. Just yeah. like the purchase uh, purchase New York, okay. that, the program they have there. If you're a New York kid, okay. Um, but the thing is, what does Rutgers have to offer? It has to offer whatever you, uh, all, you know, you're close to New York. Yeah. And New York is the center of the jazz world, as far as I'm right. concerned. And plus the fact the faculty are all real, real professionals who have done it, mm-hmm. been in the scene for years. And, and, you know, no, we're not just educators. We're all professionals. And so I think that's, that's a big plus. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I know also in your, in your, in your bio and in your life, you've, you've played with, and you mentioned you played with a lot of, um, vocalists. Yeah. On occasion. Um, I mean, I had a long running relationship with John Lucien. I don't know if you're familiar with his music, but he's a guy from the Caribbean, uh, kind of had a, a big baritone voice like Johnny Hartman, uh-huh. you know, something God given. Let 
Thanks for staying with us at WLIW-FM 88.3 in Southampton, New York. Also heard on WLIW.org slash radio, uh, Long Island's only NPR radio station. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour. You're listening to an interview of Bill O'Connell. I would say the same thing about Kenny. Kenny Rankin I worked with for four or five years. Kenny Rankin had just this beautiful voice. Too. Uh-huh. What, a, what an instrument. But... But John was a longer relationship and we did some recording and, you know, it's a special, and I should say Janet Lawson, who I love for, a, a, she was not as well known as the others, but we had a great band uh, way back in the day with Roger Rosenberg, Jimmy Madison and Ratso Harris. And uh, she had some health issues that sort of got in the way of us continuing, but you know, the, the relationship between a pianist and a vocalist is when it's right is really a beautiful thing. It's just a different kind of connection, different. We feel each other's music um, providing a harmonic background, but it's a two way street when it's really right. The vocalist is inspiring me. I'm inspiring the vocalist, and it's re- it's something I enjoy. And it's something that I, look at as being rare to have that kind of relationship, you know, and not so, not so different than the relationship I had with Dave Valentine. I played with him for 35 years and we did many recordings on GRP and other labels. When you meet musicians that you really hook up with, that's special. Just like you meet someone in life that you really hook up with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. Um, uh, back to the jam session for a second, because I, you know, I've had this experience where, you know, somebody will show up a vocalist or someone who sings or think they can sing. Now that's obviously very different than what you're talking about, but you have been there some nights, I'm sure when somebody just is like, Hey, I want to you know, sing a tune and Clay right. is like, you know, okay, uh, you can do this. Right. Um, so that's, that's a different kind of experience. But what, one of the things I I've noticed with you know, players is, is they're, they're not too necessarily eager for that to happen in a jam session well, context. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, it really, it really depends upon the musician and it depends upon the singer. Sure. I mean, if the singer is, you know, more and more nowadays singers, I think are really realizing they have to be and want to be musicians as well as singers. You think? Uh, that was a great thing about the singers that I mentioned. I worked with John, Kenny, Rankin, and, uh, you know, Janet. They were really musician-type singers. They really right. knew the music. Right. Um, that really makes a difference. And, for example, like uh, Olivia. Olivia. Yeah, Olivia Foshi. Yeah, she's, she's great. Uh-huh. I mean, and she uh, clearly has a lot of she, – she knows music. So, so she's – it was a pleasure really accompanying her and meeting her there. Um, so, you know, 
have I had my share of singers that, you know, you got to, you hit and miss sure, <laughs> like you do sure. in anything in life. Yeah. So there have been some interesting encounters along the way also, but uh, that's life. With your, um, with your composing, um, there have been compositions you've worked on clearly that, that have voice, right? Yes, there have. There have. Most, right. of, most of the time I'm writing the music, but I do occasionally branch out into that. And, and in, I, those, in those yeah. occasions, do you write the lyrics yourself or? Uh, sometimes, sometimes I have been known to write mm -hmm. a lyric or a little phrase here and there. Um, occasionally I'll reach out to somebody. I wrote, I wrote a tune once on one of Monk's uh, uh, compositions called Reflections, mm -hmm. uh, beautiful ballad that Monk wrote. And somebody wanted to record it. Unfortunately, they went to the Monk estate and uh, it had already been recorded with a different set of lyrics. Hmm. So they, they said, you can't do it, which hmm. bummed me out. But hmm. that's the way life goes sometimes. But I, I do not really consider myself a lyricist of any kind, but uh, occasionally I will try to stretch out in that direction. Well, tell, uh, this is fascinating to me because tell me how, like when you've worked with a lyricist or how people, how musicians like yourself work with lyricists, you're a piano player. So right. um, that's, that's something a lot of piano players would do. How does that work? Well, I've always felt like, and this is me. I've always felt like the music comes first before the lyric. Everybody doesn't usually, everybody doesn't work that way. But for me, I've, I've always, uh, it's easier for me to conceive of lyrics once I've written the tune. I hear Elton John and his writing partner write the other way. Mm -hmm. And they're extremely successful. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, but it's not, it's not something I've done a lot of, but I do understand the power of, of, of lyrics and the power of the human voice. Uh, I think we had a, we, one of the concerts we did at the uh, Southampton Arts Center, uh, I had a little chant on one song. Uh, I think on one of my records, it's Peace on Earth. That's all I wanted to say. Right. And I had everybody singing Peace on Earth. We didn't have, I had a couple of singers in the studio, but I had everybody singing it and, you know, with the music I had done. And it was really, really, really great really great to get everybody i mean the human voice is a powerful thing
Thanks so much for being with us on part one of this two-part interview with Bill O'Connell. Uh, next week, we'll explore more of what Bill has done and his thoughts about uh, jazz and his work with, uh, for instance, the Jazz Foundation of America and other uh, groups that he's worked with over time and what, what uh, may hold in the future for Bill and for, for jazz uh, and music in general and the music business. Really interesting insights from Bill. Thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for... Those who have helped us put this together, the Jam Session Radio Hour, thanks for Silvano Monasterios for his tune Tropical Mirage that we've used as our theme. Thanks for Fernando Valladares uh, for helping us choose music. Thanks for um, Rafael Alvarez for his great work in post-production engineering. Thanks for Cleus Brondal, our music director. And thanks in particular WLIWFM in Southampton, New York for all their support and for for putting the Jam Session Radio Hour uh, on the air so that all of you guys out there can enjoy it. Stay with us, stay safe, get vaccinated, <clears throat> help us all get to a point where we can emerge from this long hiatus and come back and hear some live music. So for the Jam Session Radio Hour, I'm your host, John Landis. Thanks for being with us, and good night. Good night.